All right, and welcome again to another episode of Sports Bears from an Agent's Perspective. Episode number eight with your host, Zila Mbekela, a.k.a. Chester. All right. I hope everyone has had an amazing week. Um, it's an amazing day, Friday, you know. It's one of those days where um, if you've had a good week, uh, you just get home, you know, kick back, relax. So, yeah, I hope everyone's had that kind of a week, man, where just everything went right for you. Okay, so um, today's episode, um, we're actually going to talk about, you know, the famous phrase, man, famous Jerry Maguire phrase, show me the money, show me the money, all right? But before we actually go into that, um, I'm just going to run a promotion quickly, all right? So again, our promotion for this week is our platform, which is www.limitlessathlete.com. And to introduce this platform is that it is a social media network platform for professional footballers um, slash soccer players, coaches, as well as clubs. All right. It's a platform where all parties can actually connect. All right. And um, the good thing about this platform is that it actually cuts out the middleman. And even though, you know, ironically, it's, it was created by a sports agent myself, um, this platform is actually for athletes or coaches who would like to negotiate their own deals with the clubs. All right. Sign up is completely 110% free. But should um, athlete or coaches want to upgrade then they can purchase one of the membership plans um, whereby I can assist in terms of um, providing consultancy services for them. All right? Those are the only charges that are laid um, is if guys purchase a membership plan. Otherwise, if they choose not to purchase a membership plan, everything on the platform is for free. All you have to do is sign up. All right? You sign up either using your social media or your email um, and password as well. Okay. So, I mean, I definitely recommend this platform, especially to athletes who feel like they want to, you know, they can represent themselves. All right. This platform is mostly catered for semi-professional and amateur teams, but professional teams can also sign up on the, on the platform. Professional players can also sign up on the platform and they can connect on the platform and negotiate the deal by themselves. As the agent, who is the proprietor and owner of the platform, I do not charge commission if a team is able to sign a player from this platform. Okay? So that is the advantage of using it. You know, it's one of the things I notice coming into um, the industry as a sports agent is that there aren't many channels where teams and athletes can actually connect. And especially when it comes to semi-professional sport, there's no need for an agent because chances are the contract that's been negotiated isn't going to be much in any case. And most of the time, it usually involves work and um, a playing contract. So really, as an agent, there isn't really much commission in there for you in any case. So that's why I created this platform. And because, you know, um, like I said, if people need additional services, 
the membership plans are always there and then they can pay for those. All right. The main aim of this platform is to just, you know, enable, you know, athletes and coaches to be able to have that channel of communication with clubs. All right. And for clubs to actually be able to scout as well using the platform. You know, OK, so that is the advantage of using the platform. And then um, also on the platform, if players want to or, or coaches as well, if they want to improve themselves away from the field, they can take our online digital marketing course, which is available on our platform as well. We can't stress enough how important it is to learn a skill outside of your um, sport. It is one of the most important things because there will come a time when your playing career is over. And it's very important to always bear in mind that that could happen at any time. And it's not even necessarily to say that you could get hurt or anything. Sometimes it just happens where you just go off form and no team is interested in signing you. And nothing has happened to you. You didn't get injured, but it's just you're off form. It does happen. You know, players do go through, you know, dry spells where things are just not clicking. So our platform and our online digital marketing course is just providing guys with an opportunity to just expand your mind, learn a different skill and yeah, just explore another dimension to yourself. You know, one of the good things about taking this online digital marketing course is that guys or learners, um, guys and ladies, learners, would be able to learn, you know, web designing skills. You know, in this tech era, things like websites have become so important within this digital era that we're living in. You know, guys can also learn about social media marketing, um, which includes, you know, running paid advertising campaigns. So those are one of the skills that we teach in our courses, how to run paid advertising campaigns on social media platforms, especially the big four. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So you learn all those skills. And then we also teach as well um, social media content management, how to create content, you know, um, search engine optimization. This is a very important skill to learn within digital marketing because it basically teaches one um, to optimize their website. Like, let's say, for example, that you start a business and you want people to be able to find you online. Learning search um, engine optimization skills will enable you. Um, it'll enable you to be able to make sure that your website ranks higher on Google, and this is done through things like blogging and other forms of SEO, so that when a person is typing in the type of services or product that your business offers, they can be able to find you. Right, And then other skills that learners can also learn on the, on the um, online digital marketing um, course is they can actually learn how to build streaming sites. So it's web design with a bit of an advanced um, feature, which is um, adding the streaming. All right. So those are the skills that you learn. And so I definitely recommend that you check it out. Uh, there's a demo page on our website, which is for free. You can check out the introduction or trailer video. And then there's a sample, um, sort of like a sample course about web design that you can actually have a look. And if you're impressed with it, you can purchase the online course. It is a one-time purchase only. And after you complete your course, you can get a digital marketing certificate, which will enable you to either 
get a job as a digital marketer in your spare time when you're not playing football or soccer. Or you can actually work for yourself. You know, you can start, you know, running your own small business and start designing websites either for your teammates or for other small businesses. That's how easy it is to get started um, once you've got your digital marketing credentials. Okay, so have a look at it. It's on our platform, www.limitlessathlete.com. Sorry, not .com. I'll say that again, www.limitlessathlete.net. Okay, so check that out. And like I said, again, it's a social network platform where athletes, coaches, and clubs can meet. Another advantage of our platform is that um, it, not, it not only caters to soccer players now, we also cater for rugby players, coaches, and clubs. They can also sign up on the platform and um, connect. All right. Each person's profile is public for others to see, so it would be easier for everyone to connect. And the most important thing that we encourage in our platform is make sure that your contact details are on your profile. That is the most important because if they, if they aren't, then there's no way the team um, or the player can contact or the coach can contact the team. You know, there's no way of being able to contact each other. So that's the most crucial part. Make sure your contact details are on your profile once you sign up. Okay? When you go onto the website, there is a demo video that shows you how to navigate the website. So all the information is on there. You just need to click on www.limitlessathlete.net. Check it out and enjoy. All right. Okay, so our topic for today, we're going to dive straight into our topic. Our topic for today is, would you rather be uh, underpaid or considered overrated? Right. It's a very crucial question. It sounds simple, but it's actually it's one of those questions that really you know, hit the spot. Would you rather be underpaid or considered underrated? And you know, our episode today is actually dedicated more to players. All right? This is where the question is. Would you rather be underpaid or overrated? All right, so let, let's go into it a, a little bit. You know... As a sports agent, as someone who's um, an agent in, you know, football, all right, I am a registered agent with the Japan Football Association. I work with players, I work with coaches, and I also represent clubs as well. On the most part, though, I have been more involved with the players and coaches side. And I've often, you know, when reaching out to teams, I've often heard teams uh, make the complaint that, Yes, this player is good, but they feel like, you know, he's a little bit expensive or they feel like maybe their budget will be, uh, won't be able to accommodate them. And then I always ask that, what were you expecting that I'd offer this player, you know, cheap? That I'd offer this player for free? Like, what was the expectation? Like, if you knew that chances are the team wouldn't be able to afford him, why did you entice me? Why did you entertain the thought of me, you know, marketing this player to you. That's a question I always have in my head when um, I'm basically, you know, negotiating um, a contract for a player. Is that if you know from the start that you're not going to be able to afford this player, 
then you should just say from the start that, mm, you know, his transfer market value is a little high, so we're going to have to pass. Why get into the, the discussions with me? You know, and I'm always, <laughs> I'm always intrigued and I always find it so funny because I think every single team is secretly hoping that either you as the agent or the player will take a discount for their talent, basically. All in the name of, fuck, you know, just being able to get a contract somewhere. And sometimes it works like that, but, you know, some of the times it doesn't. You know, one thing you got to understand is that these are guys who are trying to, you know, provide for their families. You know, so it's not as simple as always taking pay cuts consistently. It doesn't work like that. All right. So one thing we're going to do is we're going to discuss a few sports, you know, where I've seen the scenarios of money play out. And, you know, I'll start off with a sport that I don't usually talk about because as much as I follow it, um, I'm not an agent in it. And for the most part, I'm still fairly new in terms of, you know, following it. But, you know, for the past couple of years, I've really become a fan of the business model of the sport. And it is the NFL. You know, American football is such, you know, it's one of the most criticized sports, you know, for its... um, just for its brutality and how much the league doesn't give a shit about the players. Yet, <laughs> it's still considered the number one sport in America. And it, that just fascinates me so much because the business model of the NFL is, is what I think the allure that gets everyone you know, so interested in it. And let me just go into it. So the NFL is one of those sports where... Number one, the contracts aren't guaranteed, which means that if you sign an NFL contract and you get hurt and you don't play a large percentage of the games, you're not going to see all the money. All right. That's how it is in the NFL, whereby in other sports, it's, it's one of those where if you sign your contract and you get injured and let's say maybe you're out for five to six weeks, you still get all your money. You know, but the NFL, man, that shit works differently. You don't get all your money. But let's talk about the whole, you know, would you rather be underpaid or overrated, you know, sort of scenario. Now, in the NFL, it's a well-known fact that if a guy doesn't get his money or if he's, um, let's say if his negotiations are still ongoing, guys don't mind holding out in the NFL. Meaning they don't turn up to practice. They don't turn up to training camp. They hold out. They stay at home, literally. They work out by themselves or they just chill at home. Um, because they, their main thing is that I don't want to get hurt and get cut. You know, because that's how, you know, there's a South African word, South African word that says skellum. <laughs> that's how skellum, you know, the business model of the NFL is. Is that they could just cut you. So... Guys always hold out to make sure that when they return to the field, their deal is done and um, they're guaranteed money that they're going to receive it basically so that they know that, okay, now if I get hurt and I get waived or cut or whatever the fuck happens, you know, I got the guaranteed money, you know, and it's just so, 
it's just so fascinating, man, like the, that these guys are able to do that. Because I imagine in a sport, um, you know, that I played like rugby, I mean, even if like negotiations for your new contract were still underway within rugby, you still went to practice, you know, because rugby is one of those sports. The NFL as well, like you're all about your teammates, but American football is the only sport where even though it's all about the teammates, all about the team, guys are not afraid to, you know, look out for themselves. And I applaud that, man. You know, I really applaud that. I think in team sports, sometimes you're asked to... um to sacrifice a little too much. And I really don't agree with that. I think sometimes that's that's really fucked up of the team to expect a guy who's got negotiations that are ongoing to basically sacrifice his health um all in the you know in the name of the team. Believe me, I'm all about the team. I'm all about sacrificing for the team. But I think for everything there needs to be a limit. You know, there needs to be a limit. But yeah, man, you know, American football, that, that's, it's one of those sports where, yeah, guys will just stay at home and wait for the deal to be done before they get back on the field. And yeah, like I said, I applaud that because you got to also understand, you know, a contact sport, man, you are literally one hit away from it all being over. And what good is it going to be? You sacrifice for your teammates and... A freak accident happens at practice and you're fucked. You can't provide. You know, it's it's a whole different ball game once guys are playing for, you know, uh mortgages, you know, and cars and college tuitions, man, taking care of their families. You know, it's it's a whole different ball game. So when I'm always listening, especially like the Skip and Shannon show, when they're talking about these scenarios, I mean a few seasons ago they had one of the big name um running backs for the Dallas Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott. You know, he held out when his deal was still in negotiations. I think he made it a little bit worse by going off, you know, on holiday to Cabo, Mexico, um, and say that he was going to be training there. I think that was a bit much. I don't think it's the right move to go on vacation while the rest of the team is at training camp, but to hold out and stay at home until you get your money. I understand that completely okay and like i said man you know jay-z has one interesting line in that's in uh, kanye west song so appalled and he he's actually the one who made that reference that you know would you be would you rather be underpaid or overrated which one would you choose all right and then just on to the next point and all of these things, you know, when you negotiate with teams and you find out just how frugal they try to be with certain players. And obviously, if they have, you know, the leverage to do so, I completely understand. And obviously, as the agent, you try your best to make sure that you leverage as much as you can um, on, your, on your client side or your coach's side or, you know, whoever you're representing. And it's, it's yeah, it's... It's amazing, man. It's just really, 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 really a fascinating process that you go through. And it just actually got me thinking that I totally understand why us agents are unanimously um, hated, you know, within the sport industry world. 
I completely understand it now. And it's not because we're bad people. It really isn't. Obviously, yes, you do get your dirty agents that are just downright, you know, scandalous and just downright dirty. But on the most part, professional teams hate us sports agents because we, we are basically the guys who don't buy into the bullshit of, you know, for the love of the game or for the passion of the game. Nah, fuck all that. You know, we're the guys who look out for the blind spots. We're the guys who make sure that the player gets what they're worth. You know, we're the guys who basically make sure that you milk as much incentives as you can from your client's um, prime or peak years, you know, so to speak. And that's what teams don't like is the fact that you are reaching in, like you are reaching into their pockets and you're potentially getting um, some of the money that they might have wanted to use either to acquire another player uh, or, I don't know, for other team expenditures, which I would not know about. So I think that's why agents become a little bit unpopular. But otherwise, not to say that they hate our personalities. Yes, they are dicks in the industry. You know, they are guys who just have fucked up personalities. But I think for the most of the part, it's the fact that, you know, you're ruining their plans, <laughs> you know, but hey, man, fuck, if your client's worth it, man, then, you know, they, they got to cough up because again, and this is my message to, you know, to all athletes that you have to maximize on your prime and peak years because once those years are behind you, all you're ever going to qualify for is the veterans uh, minimum, which means once you're past a, per like, once you're past a certain age, sorry, once you're past a certain age, there's only a certain amount of money that a team's going to be willing to um, pay you. It doesn't matter how experienced you are, because one thing you've got to remember as an athlete um, is that you have a life cycle. All right. You have a life cycle. You're basically a commodity. You're a product. It's dehumanizing. I know. But it's the reality of um, the industry. It's the reality of the business of sport. So you need to make sure that when you hit like when you hit those peak years you have to maximize and you know fight to get your max contract because that is the most amount of money that you are going to make. Once those prime years are passed and you're hitting around the ages of 29, 30, then it gets more difficult to negotiate maximum deals. You honestly need to settle for um, the vet's minimum, veteran's minimum, all right? You, um, you're basically being brought into teams for your experience and basically the vibe that you're going to bring into the locker room, you know? You're sort of seen as a mentor for the younger guys that are coming up. That is pretty much what it is when you get into the veteran's minimum, you know? I experienced all of this, man, when I remember when I was playing in France, um, when I just switched from rugby league to rugby union, I mean, I was going to turn 29 the time I signed my um, contract to play in the federal, federal two and federal three competitions. And yeah, it was pretty much, I had to take the veterans minimum, man, because now they're seeing you more as a guy who's going to come into the team and you're going to be the guy who's, you know, helping out with the youngsters, you know, using your experience to basically help them become better players. And you just have to accept that. It is what it is.
Same as when I moved to Japan as well. I had to, when I, I was literally negotiating my own contract, I had to negotiate for the um, um, veterans minimum, pretty much. All right. So that's what I advise to guys, man, is that um, during your prime years, your peak years, when you're around 20, 23, 24, 25, 26 and 27, those are the years where you should be fighting to maximize your earnings because, you know, those are the years that I consider the peak years that you're really playing amazing in whatever sport you're playing. Obviously, it depends on the sport. Like if you're going to be talking about, you know, other sports, which I'm not going to go into depth, but other sports like uh, baseball. I mean, baseball, some guys play until they're like 45, you know. So over there, I can never really tell you when your peak years are going to be because I'm not really big on baseball like that. Okay. Um, yeah, just, you know, j uh, jumping back into um, just rugby, man. Just one interesting point that I still don't understand. And I think I'm being critical of a rugby player by the name of Makazole Mampimpi's agent. All right. I'm not being critical of Makazole. I'm being critical of his agent. In that Mapimpi literally became one of the first, I think he no, he became the first rugby player to score a try in a World Cup final. Not only the first South African, he became the first rugby player in all the finals that have ever been played in rugby world cups. He was the first to score a try. Now this was an amazing opportunity, man, to literally milk the endorsement deals. I believe Makazole Mampimpi should have been on every cereal box. Not, you know, if not in the rest of the world, but in South Africa for sure. You know, I believe his agent, man, should have milked it. The guy should have become a country celebrity. Obviously, yes, he is still one of the big names within SA Rugby. And don't get me wrong, I mean, his agent was still able to get him to, um, to get a big contract to play in Japan. But I feel that they could have maximized, they could have gotten more. They could have gotten more. But now, I mean, that was two years ago now. It's 2021. So, you know, trying to, to milk um, endorsement deals off of what happened two years ago would be a stretch. In this point in time. So that ship has sailed. You know, don't get me wrong. I mean, the guy's still, I'm sure the guy's still getting paid well for the Sharks and for his club in Japan. But I just feel that more endorsement deals could have come from this because he literally set a milestone and he literally broke a record. He set a record, in fact. You know, so that's just my opinion. It's just, um, you know, just a funny fact I just wanted to share on this podcast. That I really feel that a guy like Makazole Mampimpi, man, he should be on every billboard in SA. He should be on every single cereal box. Sponsors, talk shows should be knocking at this guy's door. But, you know, who knows? Maybe he just doesn't want that spotlight. You never know. You never know. But I still feel that as the agent, you know, it's still our job to, you know, to advise the guy that... Um, they should have maximized on that window, you know, to set him up and his, you know, future generations of his family. 
But then again, like I'm saying, that's just my opinion. I don't want to go too deep into into that because, you know, there are no details about that whole thing. I was just sharing my point. Um, and I'm glad I'm not the only one who feels this way because Robert Marawa on uh, Mac G's podcast, he said so as well. That a guy like Mapimpi, who was the first rugby player ever to score a try in the World Cup final, he should have been cashing out major due to endorsement deals. So I'm glad I'm not the only one who feels like that. But anyway, let's move on. All right, so um, now moving on to a different sport. Now let's look at let's look at a sport like football. You know, the one thing I like about soccer is you know within soccer they always encourage the players to you know to chase the money. They always encourage the players to chase the money. So they they always encourage the players to make sure that they're getting those max contract like max contracts now. And I'll take you back to a time as well. 2010 World Cup. Anyone who was in South Africa during the 2010 World Cup, um, they will tell you, man, <laughs> that shit was a vibe. Dude, it was, it was fucking amazing. The funny thing is, I never went to watch one single game at the stadium. But man, the fan parks, the fan parks were, they were a jump. They were a fucking jump. But anyway... Um, I'll go more into the business side of it. I don't want to talk about the social side of what happened in the 2010 World Cup. Let's go into the business aspect of it. You know, so many players were shining for Team South Africa. And as a result of that, you had so many clubs um, coming in and knocking on the doors of, um, you know, the, the agents' doors of all those players that were playing. So many players had offers overseas after that World Cup. And it was being encouraged that these guys should go, you know. And I was so I was so disappointed when I was reading in the papers how, you know, a lot of the players wanted to go. But team officials like team executives were standing in the way of some of the players leaving. I mean, you had a guy like Simpiwa Chabalala who had an offer, I think, to play in Turkey. And this was basically, I think it was, it was for about, I think it was for about 585,000 US dollars, somewhere there. I mean, you equate that to South African rands, dude, that's over 6 million rand. And, you know, the, the executive for Kaiser Chiefs basically got in the way of that. that that's terrible. That is really terrible. And then you had other guys as well, men who were meant to go to other destinations, and team executives literally blocked these guys' moves. A lot of the guys, they weren't attending training, not because they were holding out, but because some of them were suffering from depression. Because I think they understood that this was the perfect opportunity, and probably the only opportunity some of these guys will have at earning so much money. You know, in such a short space of time. It was terrible, man. It, it was really terrible. But obviously the ones that could go overseas or the ones that got trials overseas, they were able to go. I mean, I think the biggest export out of the 2010 World Cup was Bongani Kumalo. Um, he was signed to play in England with Tottenham Hotspurs. And even though obviously he got loaned to different clubs in and around Europe, at least he was still one of the success stories of that 2010 World Cup. 
you know, he got to live his dream and he got to cash out, man. Guy made a, you know, he made a ton of money from that. So that is the perfect example of a guy who cashed in in his prime years. You know, I think the guy's still playing football now, but he's, he's obviously back in South Africa. But he cashed in in his prime years. You know, so yeah, so he would be the perfect example of a guy who did that. And I mean, you look at a sport like, um, just back to the, um, the rugby sphere. You look at a sport like rugby where they're always criticizing and trying to discourage a lot of the players from leaving the country and heading off to either Asia, Japan, or playing in Europe simply because they feel that it's not right that, they, that they're leaving for money. It fucking absolutely is right that they're doing that. You know, because when it comes down to it, and, you know, with the, fla- the fans complaining the whole time about, no, these guys shouldn't be doing this. You know, it's disloyal. My question to fans every single time is, when this guy's playing career is over, are you going to pay for his house? Are you going to pay for his college tuition? I'm pretty sure the answer would be no. You know, so that whole criticism man, of guys leaving for money, that shit is not right, man. It really isn't right. It's, it's, it's actually messed up trying to guilt trip a player, um, you know, from leaving. Simply because they want to create a better financial future for themselves and their family. Their kids and their kids' kids. You know. So, yeah, man. I, I think... So, that's pretty much been the point of this whole podcast is to encourage athletes that if you can maximize your earnings during your prime and peak years, do it because you're not going to get those years back, especially if you're playing a sport where your body is depleting as the years go by. In fact, I don't know any sport where you're getting older, (laughs) where as you get older, you get better. No, sport is a short career, guys. It is a short career. So you have to strike while the iron is hot. You have to maximize those earnings. Once you've gotten your money, if you're, able, if you're comfortable taking a pay cut and you know that it's not going to hurt your pockets, then do so. I mean, we see it happening in a sport like basketball where after guys get their max contracts, especially like I'll, I'll talk in the NBA because the NBA is pretty much the only basketball um, league where guys are earning ridiculous amounts of money. So let's say once a guy has, you know, made his money from his max contract and he chooses to stay with the team and take less money, that is understandable because he's already being paid. That is completely understandable. And most guys are doing it now because they want to create super teams. So they know that um, because of salary caps and everything, when a, a team is trying to sign another talent, Someone's going to have to take a pay cut. And when guys have already been paid and they're in a comfortable situation and they know that, you know, whatever happens, um, their families are going to be fine, then guys don't mind, you know, taking a pay cut to allow for the next star to come in so that they can work um, as a dynamic duo. Or sometimes take even less money to allow for more than one other star to be in the team. Let's take a look at the Lakers. You know, 
I mean, LeBron runs that show, but you definitely know that for a guy like Anthony Davis to come in, for a guy like Carmelo Anthony, for a guy like Russell Westbrook to come in, I'm sure a lot of salary adjustments had to be made. But guys like LeBron and, you know, other stars like him and other teams who've been paid the max contract, some of them are comfortable in taking a step back and taking less money to allow for other good players to be signed. All right. So if it's that kind of, if it's that kind of situation, I totally understand and I'm totally for it because the guy knows that in any case, his, um, his peak years are sort of behind him. Now he's more comfortable in accepting the veterans minimum and just keeping it moving. All right. So yeah, so that's, that's pretty much been part of our podcast, man. And, um, just before I go, I was, I was actually watching a documentary, not The Last Dance of Michael Jordan, but it was a Michael Jordan documentary. More, more like, um, it wasn't a documentary, it was more like a talk show where he was discussing with this guy that his agent, he accredits all his um, success off the field and on the field, you know, to his agent because his agent really taught him about um, the business side of, you know, of the sport he was playing. So it didn't matter what happened. Jordan was not going to, um, he wasn't going to back out of offering, of not offering, sorry, of asking for a max contract when they were asking him to take less money so that a guy like Scottie Pippen could be paid more. He wasn't willing to, you know, to, to let the bulls off the hook. And that's the business end of it. He was cashing in on his prime years. All right. So it's an important factor, guys. And like I said earlier, the reason why teams don't like us agents is because they really love to use the players' love for the game, the players' um, passion for the game against them. Because they know that when it comes down to it, man, when you're an athlete, all you want to do is play. You just want to play. All right? You just want to play. And that's why it's important that us agents are there to make sure that we look out for the guys and to make sure that we make sure that um, they're able to get what they're worth and not at a discount because this kind of running ability, jumping ability, dunking ability or whatever, you know, unique um, athletic quality this guy has that should be earning him either thousands or millions of dollars it should be it should be maximized and it should be used so that when it's not there anymore the guy can look back and say that yeah because of that athletic quality i was able to provide and set myself up and my family up for life okay so it's it's more it's more than about the athlete man it's 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 the whole ecosystem and everyone who depends on him Yes, obviously, us agents as well, we negotiate for higher um, contracts because obviously we also do want a higher commission as well. I mean, we're not running non-profit organizations here, but the athlete is the one who benefits more because they get all the money. They get more money. An important point to remember, man. So remember as an agent coming into the game that when you're negotiating higher for your athlete, you're not being greedy. You're just making sure that your player gets what they're worth. And a team 
who values them in that sense won't have a problem paying it because they understand that the leverage is there. All right. Okay, so uh, thank you once again for tuning in, man. Um, I've really enjoyed delivering this content because, you know, um, this is one of the, the topics that I'm really passionate about because I understand how much, you know, an athletic ability has the potential to change someone's life. It did that for me. And what I want to see is I want to see it do it. You know, I want to see it happen for another athlete. I want to see it happen for another athlete. That's why I will always advocate for guys to always get their money. All right. So I leave you with this question, athletes. This is a question for you. Would you rather be underpaid or considered overrated? Think about that. Ponder it. All right, so thank you for tuning in. Um, this is Sports Biz from an agent's perspective. And this is your host, Zila, a.k.a. Chester Bekela. And have a good eve. And if it's in the morning or afternoon, enjoy your day. Peace.